Good morning and welcome to Thursday morning, April the 1st in 2021 on When I Rise. It's April Fool's Day and it lands on a church holiday. This is actually Monday Thursday, coming from the Latin term mundatum for the command that Jesus gave his disciples in the upper room. So uh, this is weird. Like, I don't know if you've fallen for an April Fool's joke yet. I know I will. I'm super gullible. So I hope that it's just not so... Just not so elaborate uh, for you or for me. But anyways, uh, we are going through Holy Week here, getting closer and closer to Easter Sunday. And in the Revised Common Lectionary, which we're in year B at the moment, uh, there is a liturgy for each day of the week, right? So here on Monday, Thursday, we're going to take a look at the New Testament text for the week, which is 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verses 23 through 26. There's a good chance that you're going to hear these words when you go to a Monday, Thursday service tonight, if you get a chance to, and take communion together. So let me read the passage, uh, make a point of reflection, and then lead us to a time of prayer as we face it together. Thanks for making this part of your morning on When I Rise. Let's allow our souls to rise and meet God together in a time of prayer. First Corinthians chapter 11 verses 23 through 26. For I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you. The Lord Jesus on the night that he was betrayed took bread and when he had given thanks he broke it and said, This is my body which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way after supper he took the cup saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. This is the word of God for us. I don't know about you, but I like going to museums. I like to try to go through the exhibit. I didn't used to. I remember my dad used to haul us to museums and I was bored out of my mind. But I've come to appreciate them so much. The last one that I've been to, uh, of course, before COVID shut down and stuff, was the Civil Rights Museum back in Memphis where I used to live. And I just love how, along with just the volumes of information, it tells a story and how the story doesn't seem to be so ancient, but it's something that's unfolding before us today. And then by the end, if we've been keeping watch, uh, there's a call to action, something for us to do now that we've been immersed in an ancient or a, a past historical story. I think that's what's going on whenever Paul talks about the different uh, sacraments that we have in the church. So here in 1 Corinthians 11, he talks about communion. And in other places, he talks about the sacrament of baptism. You can look in Romans chapter 6. Uh, but I think Paul does a, a clever thing when he talks about communion, and it's important for us in our Christian formation. But the wider context of this passage is that Paul is trying to get the church in Corinth to be unified. That's one of the major themes of the first letter to the church, is that they seem to be disunified early on in the letter. You know, people are saying that they have a better Christianity because they follow this teacher, or that teacher, and so on and so forth. And so Paul tries to level uh, people's spirituality by saying, you know, all of us who are in ministry, we're kind of working together and God is doing all the work in the midst of all of our ministry together. So he, take, Nick, uh, he makes another run at it again about unity here and uh, the way in which they conduct worship. And he'll talk about unity once more when he talks about spiritual gifts in the next chapters. But here it seems like what's going on is that uh, when the church gets together, that they're not all together when they start. 
And they didn't probably have a church service exactly like ours. Uh, there was probably a meal included into a time of teaching and a time of fellowship. It was just a big, uh, almost like an extended family gathering together. What we could tell by Paul's language here is that um, the rich people who didn't really have to go out and work, they were taking this the, the nice food, the delicacies, the bougie food, we could say, and they were going ahead and, and sharing that among themselves as like one percenters. And then as the working class and even the slave class was entering into worship, all the good food was gone. And so here we are, like, and when everyone else is around, there's like barely anything to share. And they're not doing, this is totally being partial to one another. What I sense here is that there's two tables, like a table for all the rich folks and then a table for all uh, all the poor folks, you know, like the, the garage kids table that's outside of the of the dining room, right? And so Paul's like, there should be no two tables. There should be just one table. So push those two tables together and enjoy Christian fellowship together. So it's just worth noting that when we take communion and we hear a, a verse like in 1 Corinthians 11 that says, you know, if you take the body and blood of Christ in an unworthy manner, like the unworthiness is not so much they haven't searched their heart before God, is that they have not... Um, they have not searched their heart on how they're dwelling with one another horizontally. So that's what's going on here. But as Paul is talking with the general idea of communion, you'll notice that uh, he is instituting something that God gave him uh, through Jesus' witness. And this is one of the few times that Paul quotes Jesus' words verbatim. Uh, this is what something Lynn Sweet says, that Paul was not a red-letter Christian. He just didn't use them very often, but he certainly used the events and the ramifications around what Jesus did to shape all of his theology. So he talks about the words that Jesus said, like that the bread equals the body, the wine equals the blood, and whenever it's shared and distributed, um, it is there's a presence of Christ among them. Uh, those who are sacramental theologians, they'd say that in communion, we remember, we don't just not remember with our minds, but we remember the body of Christ where we put Christ back together among us. But I love verse 26. I think this is a clever thing that he does. He says, whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, so that's in the present tense, you proclaim the Lord's death, which happened in the past, until he comes again in the future. So what we experience in communion and in baptism, I think, as we look at Paul's language in that, is a time warp within uh, our Christian experience with God. We take something from the past, we reflect on something that's going to happen in the future and anticipate it as we do something in the present. So past, present, and future are swirling together and we exist in timelessness. We like time travel when we do communion because as we take it together, like we're with Jesus and his disciples in the upper room the first time they did it. And uh, we're with the early church as they are seeing the early growth of the church and we're with the church in the Middle Ages and uh, we're in the church uh, that was in silence during uh, Eastern European communism as they tried to be faithful to Jesus in the midst of tyranny. We're with the church whenever we take this communion as when we um, think about the persecuted church in different places in our world. We all gather around one table together and uh, future generations of the church Will keep us in mind as they take it right until the Lord comes and so I think this is powerful because I think we get bogged down with present troubles that it oftentimes weakens our faith and so what communion does is it strengthens us and it causes us to remember the great witness to remember the great story before us to live fully into it today 
as we anticipate others who will live fully and into it in the future and we help pave the way for their future and so something transformative happens at communion hope that you and i keep that in mind as we take communion the next time is that we're in a time where we enter into timelessness to eternity for just a moment and it prepares us for the ages to come with our lord forever and ever um, there's a lot to pray for here uh, but i think if we look at the way jesus administered communion for the first time he gave, he gave it with a command right to love one another and tonight if you find yourself around others who are at a communion table no i just want you to take a look around and marvel at who is with you because that is the great roll call of the faithful this is the body of christ and perhaps we'll pray for the strength for that god could give us to love them well just as christ has loved us well with that in mind let's spend some time praying together this morning Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, I thank you that you are always with us, and we sense that in worship, we sense that when we read the scripture, we sense that in the depth of prayer, we also sense that when we take communion and we engage in baptism and watch others to be baptized, God, we thank you that um, that you're always with us. And so tonight, as we go to Monday, Thursday services, or the next time um, that we get to gather on a communion table with the body of Christ, I pray that uh, you would allow us to gather a sense of being connected, not just connected with the people in the room, but also connected with the multitudes of those who um, were in our story before us, and and somehow in some sacred way that we connect with those who will gather with us around that table in the future. God, we thank you for the sacrifice of Christ, that he would allow his body to be broken and for his blood to be spilled, and in mystery, to allow that to be something that unites us together with you so that we are one in Christ. And so, God, we pray that you would continue to initiate us further and further into your story. We wouldn't see the Christian story as uh, a history, but we'd see it as an inheritance, something that we can live into with the fullness of our lives. So give us the courage to do so, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.